Hey, Sarasota, it's Bob. So it's been a wonderful grind over the past 18 months. We've had some fabulous guests. We've produced over 150 episodes. and We've had over 10,000 listens from you wonderful folks in the greater Sarasota area. It's been a lot of fun, but also it's been a lot of work. And so we've decided to take a little bit of a break until this fall. When you check out other podcasts, you're going to see that most put out a new episode only once a week. We put out two, so of course that means there's twice the work. A lot of show notes, scheduling, guests, editing, etc., etc., etc. So we've decided to take a little break for the rest of the summer and we will resume this fall. And we'll let you know. But before I sign off, can you do me a little favor? Reach out to us via Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Drop us a little note. I'd like to know more about what you want to hear when we resume in the next couple of weeks. That'd be a big help because without you, dear listener, we would not exist. As always, thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful summer, and we'll be back soon where you can listen, learn, and connect. Good morning, Sarasota. This is the Sarasota Stories Podcast. If you're a concert lover like me, I'll bet you rarely consider the behind-the-scenes effort it takes to create the audible art we enjoy. But for any production to work well, it needs planning, staff, and leadership to help the performers actually deliver an excellent show. Hi, I'm your host, Bob Williams, and I'm very pleased to welcome Joseph McKenna, President and CEO of the Sarasota Orchestra. In this episode, you'll learn one thing that most people don't know about Joe, why he chose a career in performance art management, what it's like to manage 10 different departments, plus a music festival, concert series, youth orchestra, and summer camps, how up-and-coming fellows end up here from all over the world, an update on the new 32-acre music hall campus on Fruitville Road, and much, much more. Thank you for stopping by today, as it is my hope you will listen, learn, but most importantly, connect. Joe McKenna, President and CEO of the Sarasota Orchestra. Welcome to the Sarasota Stories Podcast. Nice to be here. Well, Joe, it's a pleasure to have you on because whenever I do my research on guests, I learn something I never knew before, and there is a lot going on with the orchestra, not only right now, but in the future. We're going to get into all that for our listeners, but before we do, I get to ask my favorite question, which is, what is one thing that most people don't know about Joe McKenna? Uh, great question. I think uh, one thing that most don't know is that I'm one of six children. I'm the fifth born. Um, so at an early age, I learned to navigate complex uh, operational systems. Um, and secondly, uh, uh, I had the opportunity to work for a rock and roll promoter, which I think is unique among orchestra managers, but turned out to be an incredible, uh, incredibly powerful experience. Um, lessons learned there I still apply today. What promoter was that? Is it uh, somebody we would know? Um, Don Lohr was the um, uh, largest promoter in uh, uh, live entertainment in New England. I worked at the Great Wood Center for the Performing Arts um, from 1990 to 1996, and uh, Don was one of the owners there um, and really was a key engine in all live entertainment, rock and roll promoting um, throughout New England. So I was uh, a New England Conservatory graduate. 
um, landed working in the Great Woods organization um, and had the benefit of seeing a whole other aspect of the music industry um, that was frankly never talked about or discussed while a conservatory student. So um, it was the fusing of two phenomenal worlds. Well, I remember Don Kirshner's rock concert back in the day, and they used to put that on TV. So was it anything like that? You know, it was um, it was a fabulous uh, experience in that um, Don Law was one of um, three owners of the Great Wood Center. Um, one of the other partners was Sherman Wolf, um, who was a, a venture capitalist, an entrepreneur, and then John Drew, the president of the World Trade Center in Boston. Um, and at uh, 24 years old, I found myself working in the Great Woods organization amidst those three folks, um, mented by them, shaped by them. Um, so I, I describe it as both a, a performance and entertainment experience. But um, while I didn't go to Harvard Business School, I drove by it a lot. Um, and working for these three, these three individuals um, was, an, and it was an education that, um, frankly, just couldn't be bought anywhere. So it was, it was a phenomenal six years of my life. Well, that's great. I, and it always is gratifying to hear a young person who really kind of found their way early in life because you see so many folks that struggle today. So it just seems like that was kind of the beginning of your path right there. But um, to, so at what point did you say, you know, a career in the performing arts might be for me? Well, it's interesting, you know, just back to my Great Woods experience, um, when I started, that was my first administrative job in the arts. Um, I'm a firm believer it, you, um, when things are presented to you, you make the most of them, whatever they are, lean into them, learn, discover. Um, and that's what Great Woods afforded um, me. But the, in terms of getting into the arts, um, I, I was a a music kid and a band kid in high school um, and loved music more than anything else. So um, that set me on a path to go to New England Conservatory where I graduated with a degree in trombone performance and music education. Uh, and then I taught public school for two years and in between the two years of teaching public school um, in Situate, Massachusetts, and then Lincoln Sudbury, Massachusetts, um, had the chance and landed in this position at Great Woods. At about the same time, I was hired as a faculty member at Wheaton College. Um, I joined the Wheaton College faculty in Massachusetts um, in January. They had a professor that was um, going out, I believe, a medical leave, um, and I substituted for one semester. Um, so I, I, I was advancing both my education path. Um, I'm very passionate about education. Um, I think that's the gateway to everyone's better future. And um, I embraced the public school teaching and then teaching at Wheaton and then sort of the Great Woods um, administrative opportunity um, coincided um, with my work at Wheaton. So I was both a, a college professor and an arts administrator from 1990 to 1996. Um, and I was able to balance both of those. Great Woods was largely a summer um, festival kind of an experience. So I wasn't teaching at Wheaton in the summer. Um, and when Great Woods was busy, that allowed me, um, you know, to focus on that. And when Great Woods wasn't busy, I was able to teach at Wheaton. So um, it goes back to just really, I think I encourage young people to really, um, when you see opportunity, um, just embrace it. Um, you don't know what that one opportunity might link to the next opportunity. Um, and then in, uh, 
uh, I guess about 1998 or so, um, I came a kind of a crossroads and I had the chance to move to the Midwest to um, really get substantially on the arts administration path. I was uh, moved to the uh, community north of Milwaukee, Cedarburg, Wisconsin, where I had the chance to open a new small performing arts center there. Um, and that um, sort of position combined with the birth of our first daughter um, meant that I was really going to have to pick a path. Um, and I stayed on the administrative path and I wouldn't change anything. Every day for me is exciting, that's different, um, exhilarating, challenging. Um, so that's really how it came to be. I, I'm a, a firm believer of, um, you know, you just look, look where opportunity is and you try to link it together and knit it together into a tapestry. Um, and um, that's how I ended up here in Sarasota. Well, that's a great, great attitude. And just to kind of give our listeners the scope of your work, you became CEO down here in 2001. We are beginning our 75th anniversary at the Sarasota Orchestra. So and it is also the oldest continuing orchestra in the state of Florida, which I found that interesting given the size of Sarasota. I thought maybe it would be, uh, you know, I don't know, Tallahassee or Miami or something of that nature. But so 75 years, that's quite an accomplishment. You have about a staff of 50 people, and you also have to manage 10 different departments. You think, uh, unless you really have an inside look at the orchestra, you think, well, all they have to do is make sure that the music is good and everything runs smoothly, but you have 10 different departments you have, uh, yeah, so you have a lot, you have a lot going on there. So, you know, share with us, you know, what you want people to know about what you have to do in order to, A, you know, keep the organization financially sound and then, you know, put out great music. Yeah. So, you know, uh, the administrative side of the orchestra is not really much different than the um, artistic side in that when you look at an orchestra, um, you see a number of different instruments playing in different sections. Um, it's no different as an administrator. So, you know, I see a finance department and a marketing department and development and fundraising and facilities and operations. I see all of those as representatives of um, the tapestry that sort of supports the orchestra. So the administrative side is much like, it's much like the orchestra itself. If you have people that are um, working together in a smart way in collaboration and partnership. Um, if they're doing that on stage artistically as musicians, the music is fantastic. The same is true on the administrative side. If those departments are working together as an ensemble in partnership with good communication and sharing and common goals and a sense of vision, um, then the organization moves forward quickly. And I think that's exactly what's happened. When I came to Sarasota in 2001, um, ironically, I, I'm, I'm not really a big, I don't like the heat, um, interestingly. So landing here in Sarasota was sort of interesting in 2001. But what really drew me here was um, this really special organization that had this dual commitment to both education and performance. Those were two things that, um, you know, were anchored in my conservatory training. Um, and then, you know, Sarasota's history has a storied cultural place. Um, and I think, Bob, you said it yourself that you know, for the size city um, that Sarasota is and the region, um, it's quite striking that artistic assets that are here from the theater companies to the ballet companies, the opera and galleries and everything else, the Ringley Museum. So that's what really drew me here. And and then this notion of 
um, creating a culture on the administrative side that is much like a really fine ensemble that plays together. Um, you have to work at it every day. Um, things change. You have to adapt. Um, the same is true on the administrative side as it is on the autistic side. So um, I, I see it all as one and the same and the ability to um, create this teamwork and partnership platform um, ultimately provides a sense of security. And I think it's also really important. You asked about fundraising and financing and keeping it going. Um, you know, the, the one thing that you learn in, in arts administration is that um, development is firmly rooted in um, confidence of, of donors and the general public. If you're doing really great work, collaborating, producing a good product, and people find you trustworthy, incredible, and have confidence in you, that is really the key cornerstone of fundraising. And then you add some vision to that, um, like we'll talk about in a little bit, the sense of a new music center on Fruitville Road. Um, you you, you kind of combine the sense of confidence and then vision. Um, and then that's how communities are transformed through the arts. And that's exactly what this institution has been about since its inception. Let's talk a little bit more about the performance side of things. Uh, you have the music festival, you have the concert series, you have the youth orchestra and summer camps. Which are your favorite? So I say this is like um, all of the programs are here are like my children. I don't have any favorites. I love them all. Um, they all represent different aspects of um, the wonder of music. Um, they present themselves differently, all equally important. Um, so I, I love it all. You know, uh, we just recently completed the Sarasota Music Festival that had fellows that I call the next generation of um, rising stars and classical artists. And in two weeks, we'll have local kids here for summer camp. Um, and for me, it's it's all the same. You know, when those youngsters come in for summer camp in a few weeks, um, watching the wonder in their eyes about as they discover music um, and learn and develop um, is no different than what we've just seen with the fellows that have left, uh, you know, really on the verge of incredible international and professional careers. Um, and, you know, the orchestra itself, when I see and hear the orchestra play, and I look out in an audience and know um, that everyone has come and they're being touched in different ways, stimulated, engaged. Um, I think that's just really the essence of what it is that we do. So I, I love it all. Um, I have so many phenomenal memories, probably too many to list. Um, but just seeing people um, have a better life because of music, um, that's, a really, that's a really good thing to observe, witness, and experience every day. Well, I'm sure it is. It's interesting because as you were talking about how people, you know, their eyes kind of light up, the closest thing that I would ever have, I was corporate director of training one time. And sometimes when somebody takes a new skill back to the workplace and it works, one, you're, you're pleasantly surprised, but you're also, I mean, it's very gratifying to see somebody take something new and apply it in their life and it really enhances their life. And so I'm sure that you see that quite a bit. I'm, I'm curious about the fellows. Let's talk about them a little bit because you say that they come from all over the world and they'll they'll go out into the world afterwards. How does how do these students end up in Sarasota and then what does it look like once they're here? 
Yeah, so um, the Sarasota Music Festival, which next year, um, summer of 24, will celebrate its 60th anniversary. Um, so we've been bringing, um, you know, rising stars in the classical music field. We call them fellows. Um, they've been coming to Sarasota. We generally get about 500 applications a year um, for about 60 spots. And it's extraordinarily competitive. Wow. So we have um, fellows that come from all the leading music schools across the country, like Juilliard and um, the Jacobs School at Indiana University and Rice University and the Colburn School. And um, this becomes sort of a, a three-week melting pot from, uh, for all of these incredibly young artists from all of these different schools. Um, so it's rigorous to get in. Uh, but one of the things that we really pride ourselves on is when they do arrive here, the 60 of them, um, some of them might know each other, but many of them don't. But really creating the sense of um, for the next three weeks, this is the musical community that we're going to co-create. Um, we, the Sarasota Orchestra, the festival with these fellows. Um, and it's a chance for them to study and be inspired by some of the leading pedagogues and teachers in classical music. Um, and I think one of the things that I really find exciting about the festival is that the fellows, each one of them brings a piece of who they are and their training to Sarasota. Um, they sort of mix and match while they're here and create great art and great music. Um, and then when they leave Sarasota to go back to school or the city that they live or the orchestra that they might be joining, they actually take a piece of Sarasota and sort of transplant a little bit of the essence of who we are in all these different musical communities around the world. And um, that's really exciting to think that a three-week festival um, has the power um, and, and ability to create an essence across the, the musical globe. Um, so that's really exciting. You know, we'll have, we'll have youngsters in summer camp that will be inspired and transformed by just having their first experience. And then we have fellows that will go out um, and, and take a piece of Sarasota with them. Um, and that just makes for a better, a better world. That's really neat. Now, do you have like an onboarding system for when these students come in? These fellows come in because, uh, you know, they're coming from all over the place. You have different personalities, different expectations. And so what, what does that piece look like? Well, the interesting thing is the festival has a very high standard. So all those fellows that are accepted, they know that when they arrive, it's, it's, it's high level, serious work to begin with. Um, we have an incredible um, Sarasota Music Festival support team and an entire staff. Um, and this goes back to um, what we say around the festival is it's only three weeks long. It has to go right tomorrow because there's not too many tomorrows. Um, and, you know, that goes back to collaboration, partnership, good planning. So our staff um, really does incredible work you know, for 48 weeks a year um, to be ready and plan, make sure everything's right. The, the fellows have what they need. Communication's clear. Um, they fly to Sarasota. They all land here on a Sunday afternoon um, within about a four or five hour period. And then they have a, a one hour orientation. And then they're right immersed into the work that they're here to do. Um, and I think that's another thing that I think why music is so important, this nature of collaborating. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think in this world that people listen enough to one another. Um, but as a musician, um, success in music is its cornerstone is listening, listening to the players that you're making music with, um, listening to comments that they have about how to make it better, um, having a tolerance to accept different viewpoints. Um, so I argue that um, or make the case um, that music's more important in the world than ever before. 
um, because we live in a noisy, chaotic world where there isn't enough listening, there's not enough collaborating, um, there needs to be greater sense of tolerance and understanding. Um, and the fact is for a string quartet to play really well together, um, they have to listen to each other, they have to have tolerance of their different viewpoints, all towards creating you know, something so powerful in their end um, musical product. So um, I think orchestras and festivals like the Sarasota Music Festival and our youth orchestra program, I happen to believe that I think there's a greater need for these kinds of experiences in 2023 than at any point in our history. And why is that? Well, you know, the world has become more complex. Um, and, and as it's become more complex, it becomes more about um, less listening and more about winning. Um, and I always say that in an orchestra, winning is because 80 people play well together. It's not because just one did. So, you know, being able to integrate into the fabric these, you know, different personalities, different voices, different instruments, um, I just think that's the kind of community that I want to live in. So, you know, one of the great things about the Sarasota Orchestra, and I see it amongst our professional players, you know, how deeply they care about one another. Um, they help out when kids need to get to school or dogs need to be walked, and it's a sense of community. Um, and, you know, when you have a sense of community and there's a high degree of understanding and tolerance, it makes for a better place to live. And I think that the Sarasota Orchestra has been an attractor um, for those that move to Sarasota because this is a quality of life and a standard of life which they desire. Um, and we're really glad that the orchestra plays a part in that. You know, I was really struck as you were talking about the listening aspect, and I, I certainly couldn't agree more. Uh, it seems like Every time we turn on the TV or the computer, there's something toxic that's going on. And it's just, there's this incredible competition going on for people's eyeballs and ears. And you don't listen. It's not something that is actually taught or practiced. And I could really see where the type of music that you all play and the groups that you have to bring together where it would absolutely be critical. So you're really teaching these fellows, not only how to have a career with the orchestra, but your really life skills that they can pass on and use in all areas of your life. I mean, I, I really was not expecting you to say such things, but that's really incredible. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true that, um, you know, the skills that I learned as a conservatory student, I still use today. While you don't see me on stage playing an instrument, all of those skills that I just described about listening, taking the time to understand, um, gaining a better sense of someone else's perspective to help inform my own thinking or education or evolution of thought, that's that's what makes um, you know music so important, and you know I think a lot of times now people often um, you know reach out to basically listen to things that affirm who they are, rather than stepping out to listen to things that might challenge who they are or challenge how they think, and you know music does that. I mean you know a piece of music can you know you may have heard it you know a number of times. I just think this weekend, you know, Robert Levin was here and um, did a beautiful job covering for Jeffrey Kahane, who was um, unavailable. And Bob played the uh, fourth Beethoven piano concerto. 
Um, and I've heard that piece, you know, numerous times. And, you know, I think the second movement of that was so reflective and tender that it sort of inspired um, myself and the audience to think differently about a number of things. Um, and that's what music should do. It should challenge you to think and to move your boundaries out. Um, and I think the one thing about music that I always tell people is, um, especially the younger players, you know, when they're playing out of tune and they're learning their instrument, um, you know, that's what learning is. And the beautiful thing about music is no one gets hurt in the learning. Now, it might be uncomfortable to listen to a youngster playing, but as they move through that stage um, and in the process, they, they, they don't hurt anyone. And in fact, they, be, they begin to develop relationships with other students. Um, and I see that in the youth orchestra in particular, kids that come from all of the surrounding schools that don't go to school with one another, and they find themselves in a, a, in a wonderful, close-knit community of people with similar interest and similar curiosity. Um, so I, I like to think of the Sarasota Orchestra as a place where your, stole, your soul is restored and your curiosity is stimulated um, and your awareness is raised and your acceptance and sense of tolerance is improved. My goodness. <laughs> I never really consider music in that regard. And that's, that's a wonderful, that's a, uh, that is wonderfully, wonderfully said. I mean, it's funny as, you know, I had Jenny Townsend of the Music Compound on back in episode 130. And you talk about, you know, it's music, a place where you can't get hurt. And she has some videos up there of uh, some students of hers that get up on stage, they sing, they're completely out of key, but they are up there and they are learning, and they are getting over any type of stage fright they might have. And those are skills that you can learn really, a, again, for, you know, for a lifetime. Well, my goodness, I, 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 I'm really going to think about this afterwards uh, and, and just um, certainly have, have learned from, uh, from that statement about what music can do. I've always felt I was a little bit remiss in the fact with the kid, with my children that I raised, I did not have them more involved with music education because not only the things that you just mentioned uh, can be beneficial in life, but also um, I think it develops your brain in a way that you cannot do through sports or maybe through academics. And uh, I think it certainly seems like it's a more holistic education. So I just never really thought of it in that context. Well, let's talk about the future then. The orchestra just purchased a 32-acre plot of land out on Fruitville Road. For a new music center, I didn't realize, but you currently don't have your entire operations underneath one roof. And so now you're going to be able to do that. Talk about what the music center is going to look like and a bit of a time frame that our listeners can expect going forward. Yeah. So, um, you know, while we are in the music business, um, because of the way we currently operate, we're in the moving business before we're in the music business, because we have to use six different venues um, to put together an entire season, we need this incredible um, coordination and collaboration. You know, not only our current um, Beatrice Friedman Symphony Center, but the Opera House and the Van Wazel and the State College of Florida's Neal uh, Performing Arts Center and Riverview High School and Northport Performing Arts High School. Those all come together um, to make it work. So the 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 vision of having the orchestra in its own place, a music center that's home, um, imagining channeling all of that energy that we use on moving 
into actually activating programs and musical opportunities and educational opportunities for the broader Sarasota Manatee region. So, um, you know, the great story about this organization is we've developed this highly collaborative, adaptable culture um, and the notion and thought of actually having a permanent home um, where we can raise the standards and, and better serve the community and more broadly serve the community. We have things today that we'd like to do that we just don't have the space or the venues to do them in. So, um, you know, the horizon right now is uh, generally these um, music center projects generally take about two years um, to sort of engineer and design and then about three years to build. So over this next five-year period, um, that'll be evolving. And what we know from other projects around the country is that once that process starts, um, it's much like a symphony. There's a first movement, a second movement, a third movement, a final movement. And throughout the entire um, symphony, if you will, um, there's um, a journey um, of discovery and a sense of excitement. Um, so the Music Center project is not unlike a symphony. It will have multiple movements as we make our way from where we are today in June of 2023 till we open a new Music Center um, and I think really for the Sarasota Orchestra, um, you know, we see music as, um, you know, so important to the economy of Sarasota. It's a, it's a significant, the arts are a significant economic engine in Sarasota. Yes, they and, are. To and to think about a new music center um, complementing the other existing venues that we have, like the Ringley Museum and the Opera House and the Oslo Theater, and have that be an asset, which is... Um, you know, promoting a, a better quality of life here um, and improving the economy. Um, that's really exciting to all of us. And the, and really the ability to serve people more broadly. Um, in fact, this location, Bob, um, on Fruitville Road, um, our board and our organization, we imagined it not for next year, but we imagined it as though it was here 25 years from now and 50 years from now. And the thought of at that sort of crossroads of, you know, Sarasota and Manatee County, that a music center is really the heartbeat or the epicenter of what's going to be uh, a much more formidable region in 2035, 2050, and 2075. Um, that's a really exciting vision that we're all working hard to create. Well, it is exciting to hear that. Give us a sense of the scope of the new music center. 1,800 seats, is that correct? Yeah, currently um, our building program at a high level includes an 1,800-seat concert hall, um, a second performance space of approximately 700 seats for a range of musical and performing activities, um, and then education space to support our youth orchestra program and the Sarasota Music Festival. Um, we also know from our work, having interviewed about 30 other performing arts music organizations, um, there are numerous other smaller and mid-sized music organizations here in the region that also need performance space. So we really see the music center, um, really it's a, it's a regional music center, um, to benefit everyone in the community. It'll serve as a home for the orchestra and also support these other musical organizations who need place to express what they do. Um, so, you know, that's a, that's a really exciting prospect that the Music Center is really going to be this centerpiece and collecting place for music. It, it would seem to me that you're actually going to be able to draw from a larger area as well because 
you're out by 75, which of course is the main vein on the west coast of Florida. So it seems to me like you're going to be able to draw from Northport and other locations as well. You, th- you think that will be the case? Um, we absolutely believe that is the case, and and we've uh, been told that from numerous people that are interested in the project. Um, I'd also like to mention that you know um, Hurricane Ian last fall um, was an acute reminder of just some of the vulnerability that exists at the coastline. Um, when we think about our community, asking our community to support and invest in a facility of this um, scope and importance, um, we want to place it in a place where it has its highest degree of security from some of the you know uh, current <laughs> forces of nature that we experience, and at the same time be able to make it more convenient for people to um, get to it and experience it. The other piece of that, Bob, which I think is equally important, which I haven't mentioned yet, which is centerpiece to this, and it comes back to listening. Um, We don't have an acoustically designed music space in the Sarasota Manatee region. So um, a a concert hall that is purpose-built and designed to be a truly great concert hall, um, we believe that um, our audiences and patrons are going to yearn for that enhanced listening experience. Um, we also know that when, once one has that listening experience, um, it's it's pretty powerful. In fact, I'll just share a little story with you that when I was a student at New England Conservatory, um, I was studying at the time with a member of the Boston Symphony, and it was a rare um, Monday night. I didn't often have lessons on Monday night, but it, it worked out that I had a Monday night lesson, and that was typically a night at Symphony Hall in Boston that was um, a dock night in the hall. And it turns out that um, you know, I had my lesson um, with my teacher, my teacher and myself, the only two people on the hall, on the stage in Symphony Hall in Boston on a Monday night and had this chance to experience, uh, you know, the instrument of the orchestra, the hall, the actual building is the instrument of the full orchestra. Um, and I had that sort of um, experience as a, as a trombone player with my teacher. Um, and it was a really astute awakening um, to what the environment, the environment in which music happens um, and how the building is actually an instrument for the entire orchestra. Mm. That, that was a profound um, discovery for me and hasn't left me since the day that I had it. And in part, I think, drives um, my passion for why uh, a concert hall in Sarasota for this fine orchestra, the oldest continuing orchestra in Florida, is long overdue. That's great. That's great. Well, Joe, I know that everything or much of what you're doing right now is directed towards the new music center. But what else are you changing at the orchestra that we should know about before we let you go? Well, you know, one of the things, you know, we're constantly adapting, I think first comes to mind is, you know, after the COVID disruption, um, you know, really um, reintroducing ourselves to people's lifestyles who changed over the last several years. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm really proud of and will forever be proud of professionally is that our board and our organization, um, we didn't lay off a single musician or staff member during the COVID disruption. Um, so, you know, we went from ticket sales revenue of about, you know, $3 million a year down to, you know, probably less than $50,000 when we had that first 
COVID season that was fractured. Um, and I, I think much of our attention right now is sort of as we get ready for the 75th anniversary, um, is reintroducing the orchestra to our community and say, come back to live performance. Um, and the other fascinating thing is the number of people that have moved to the west coast of Florida during the COVID disruption, because this was a really nice place to live and the weather was great. Well, when they, if you moved here in the last year or two or three, you may not have come to performances because of the COVID disruption. So we actually believe that we have a potentially bigger audience than we've ever had. But it's up to us on our 75th anniversary to reintroduce ourselves to those that are here right. and have them come back. And all of the new folks that landed here say, you picked a phenomenal community to move to, and the orchestra makes it so. Now if we can only find the housing for them. <laughs> now, that's a big trick. <laughs> well, Joe, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. It sure is exciting what you all are doing right now. I would love to have you on in the future as we progress a little bit more on that music center. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. And to all our listeners out there, I always appreciate you tuning in. And as I always say, onward and upward. Thank you so much for tuning in. Joe, we'll have you back in the future. Thanks so much. All righty. Bye-bye, all. Hello, dear listeners. This is Bob again. Thank you so much for stopping by. I sure hope you enjoy listening to our interviews as much as we do providing them. If so, would you do me a little favor? Go to sarasotastories.co and enter in your email. That way you'll get notifications of all upcoming episodes. Also, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And remember, no matter where you go, to listen, learn, and connect. <music>